Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the draft pod, baby. We are so back. Uh, what a time. Just the, the content gods on the football side cannot stop for us they're trying to bring this back to 90s style dmvr draft pod i'm andre simone as always joined by the man the myth the legend all things rams he is the mayor of foco justin michael fresh off a trip from vegas all things mountain west media and you know him a true historian here of college football in the area can't wait to get all his thoughts on everything that's going down jay mike how are you doing doing good man it's it's honestly been refreshing to have so much to talk about in what's normally the deadest time of year i mean there's probably a small part of us that come like november when we've got the basketball football overlap that we're thinking back to july and like oh it would have been nice to have another quiet week or two but honestly i'm about it we love talking about college football it's usually that time where you're just like fantasizing about it, watching old games. So to have this, it's been awesome. It's been chaotic. Twitter's been way spicier than it normally is during this time of year. People are engaged. It's cool to see. You love the spice too, Jay Mike. This is your time of year. (laughs) Um, And Schwan, man, Jake Schwan, it's all things buffs. He, I mean, I, We were talking a couple of days ago in the office and Jake was like, yep, now this is going down. Camp will be back up in a second. And I told him, I hope you had, you enjoyed your summer because that bad boy's over for Schwan, man, for sure. It just what Justin said. I'm here for it, man. I'm ready for it. I'm mid football season. I always get the, you know, the hankering around July when it's just dead of the off season. We've made it out. We're in the clear, boys. We've made it. Boy, are we ever, because now conference realignment right here and um, the buffs don't wait for other things to happen. This uh, hypothetical Pac-12 TV deal that seemingly was never going to come. They stopped waiting on it. They make the jump. Unanimous vote from the Pac-12, Big 12, unanimous vote from the Board of Regents to make the move. And as soon as 2024, which is going to be what a year for college football, this is going to be one of those, like, I still can't, I still think of Maryland as an ACC team, you know? Uh, So I'm going to have to adjust quickly with UCLA, USC, um, and, uh, you know, obviously the Texas, Oklahoma, but Buffs to Big 12 feels far more familiar. That I can adjust to pretty quickly. Whew. So many far-ranging ramifications. I don't even know how where to start here. But um, Jake, I mean, you cover the team. Where would you start on this? I just say that George emphasized stability with the move. Obviously, the Pac-12 media deal, as you said, it was a huge factor in all this. And I think they waited as long as they could. Um, they're just trying to capitalize on the opportunity. You know, Coach Prime's there. He's turning it around right now. They haven't played a game yet, of course. 
Uh, basketball's really on the up and up with Cody Williams. So I think it was just capitalizing on that opportunity. You know, uh, this is as attractive as the Buffs have looked in forever, probably going back to 2011 or whenever they made the jump to the Pac-12. Um, it's going to be fun, though, next year. Uh, UCF, there's already kind of a rivalry brewing with them, the black and gold teams uh, going back to playing, you know, Iowa State, Kansas State. I'm excited, man. And then we we opened the season against TCU. It's just kind of right into it, really, a Big 12 uh, opponent that you're going to see a lot here. Yeah, Jay, Mike, it's never been a more apparent to me how much TV money just is the end-all, be-all. Like, we can BS about anything else, but that's ultimately everything and anything we're talking about. So I think a lot of this comes down to, like, the the numbers that were being floated out there for a deal that has yet to come for the Pac-12 TV deal. You're really talking more in the 20 million range per school, the Big 12 lockdown with ESPN through 2030, where each school is getting closer to 30 million. And... Everything really feels like forget even the name of the institution. Think about them as a share of X TV market. And that's where CU, the Denver TV market, is really interesting. That's where CSU to now be one of those teams that could plausibly make a jump to a power five themselves becomes really intriguing. That's where when you hear reports, Stanford Cal making a move to the Big Ten, and it's like, what? Those programs suck. That makes no sense. Think about it as the Bay Area TV market starts to make more sense, right? Um, so like, how would you think of this move? And really with you, I want to get into like, what's what are the next moves to follow? Because this is this feels like domino two or three at the very most. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I, I definitely think we're far from the last move that results from this. Uh, from CU's perspective, I think the move makes a lot of sense. Just even if you're looking at it from the standpoint of they just needed a change of scenery, I think that alone yeah. would be a pretty fair argument. They never really established themselves in the Pac-12, aside from the fact that they missed out on a bunch of money by you know abandoning the Big 12, who then got their TV contract. It was like a week later or something after CU jumped. It just, it never felt natural. They didn't have any rivals. They tried to shoehorn it in with Utah. It just, it never felt right. And I think mm -hmm. by going back to their roots, maybe it's just because I'm nostalgic for old time Big 12 football. And I know it's not going to be the same without Texas and OU, but I, I would Nebraska. rather watch like Oklahoma, yeah, or Nebraska especially. But I'd rather watch Kansas State or Oklahoma State yeah. than Cal or some of these teams that they've been going up against. Like, Again, that might just be my nostalgia, my Midwest roots, all that coming into factor. I get it. But uh, I'm excited about it because I think it's going to be a more natural fit. I think it makes sense, obviously, as Jake said, with trying to capitalize on the momentum with Dion. You, in theory, have some recruiting ties in Texas now that you can take advantage of. Florida and Ohio, which is not something we used to say with the Big 12, but now that yeah. they got Cincy and UCF, I mean, there's some benefits there as well. I think that all makes sense. Um, from CSU's perspective, you'll see jokes, obviously, about like, ah, uh, you know, they're not even being considered for the Big 12. They never really had a chance there. I mean, the Big 12 has been pretty honest that they're not interested in CSU going back to 2016 when the Rams applied. Yeah. They could have added them when they added BYU. Now they're adding CU, which, you know, it, it, they're not going to go back into that. For the Pac-12, though, assuming that the conference doesn't just collapse and I have a hard time seeing it fall apart altogether just because of the history. I still think that it's in the best interest for 
at least four, maybe five of the schools to stick together. When you think of the Wazoo's, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, I'd even throw ASU into that mix. I don't think it's going to go together or go uh, go away altogether. But if you're CSU, you're now sitting here and being like, hey, you don't want to just lose the 16 TV market in the country. You don't want to just abandon Denver altogether. Mm-hmm. From a research institution standpoint, it, it makes a lot of sense for CSU to be one of those schools that they kind of try and, and bring in to plug the hole. Now, is it going to be viewed as a power conference nationally? Probably not. But it's a significant step up from where they're at right now. Oh, no. I mean, TV deal money alone, right? Like, what, what are at least double? Like, what are Mountain West members more or less raking in for the potential, like, foreseeable? You're getting future? a base of like $7 million a year, and then yeah. you might get some bonuses from the postseason and, and on stuff on top of that. So maybe you come at it more like 10, 11 if it's a good year for the league. But I mean, yeah, if you got up to 20, even 15, like, that's doubling your resources. It, it's just going to be a lot better. And is it getting into the Big 12 10 years ago like you hoped? No. Is it getting into the Pac-12 while well, they still had USC and, and UCLA? No. But would you rather be associated with Stanford, with Oregon State, with Washington State, than like Nevada and, and New Mexico and, and some of those schools? Without a doubt. No doubt. No doubt. And I mean, I, yeah, the just the prestige of the conference and what have you. Foreseeable future, though, Pac-12 and beyond. What are the next uh, shoes to drop? There was some, Jake, like Oregon was supposed to have an emergency board of regents, and then I, I haven't heard anything beyond that. Obviously, Washington in the mix. Like I, I kind of mentioned Stanford and Cal, and then like I, I think the ACC is starting to watch its back too, right? Wasn't there some weird Pac-12 ACC alliance? The alliance. But he's a lot... Watch out for the alliance. The second an alliance is signed, like watch it. Someone's stabbing your back within the next few <laughs> seconds. Um, so, like, what, what, what is next? We projected what if there was a top twelve this year? Like, feels like there's some massive changes. Boys, the future of this sport we cherish and love so dearly in the next two three years will be flipped on its head. We are in the midst of it all. It's. Talk me through it. Talk me through it. What's going down? Uh, We'll we'll start with Oregon. Um, They were mentioned last week as a team or or mid last week, kind of the night this came out of being one of the teams to potentially go to the big 12. That meeting you've referenced, I think was about Dan Lanning's contract extension, which came out of, I mean, what, what a time for that to come out because that just instantly threw their name, just seeing that Regent meeting into the conversations um florida state has had some rumors that maybe they want out of the acc they've been kind of doing this for a few months too but that media deal goes through like 2033 the acc is pretty down as it seems so it would take something pretty substantial to get them out so that means it's arizona now and i think that you know you go back a few months or just through this whole summer and spring this whole big 12 saga that we've been following for so long it was always CU and Arizona who were brought up together. Uh, they did mention the four corner schools, Utah and Arizona State in there. Arizona State, their AD has kind of been adamant of, um, you know, pledging allegiance to the Pac-12 or what remains of it um, and working with them. Oregon State has done the same thing. They put out a letter last week, too. But Arizona, we're, we haven't heard anything. And I think that's the next team. Um, I don't really know what the Big 12 is doing in terms of expansion because some reports will say it's just one team they just want to get to 14 other reports will say they're looking to add up to three to go to 16 already 
Um, I don't know if that's going to be the path. I mean, you need Arizona to tumble first. And I think that's going to be the next move that we see. And then after that, we can wait and see how aggressive the Big 12 is actually going to be. So Arizona it's really hard to feed that many mouths. Yeah. Like once you start yeah. getting 16 plus, then you get into essentially why we have the Mountain West, which is the WAC tried to become the first basically super conference. They added a bunch of like conference USA teams, TCU and some of those schools were big additions. But when you get up to like 18 teams, when you're one of the top teams, you're sitting there and being like, really? Like, does does Rice bring to the table what we bring to the table? And that's where it gets really complicated. Arizona, from a basketball standpoint, makes all the sense in the world. And they're going to view their athletic program through a basketball lens more than other athletic departments will. Yep. It also feels like the Big 12 is trying to lean into basketball and kind of oh, just sure. operating under the the protocol that it's being devalued or undervalued yeah. a little bit, which as a big college basketball fan, I agree. I would argue, though, if you're Arizona, do you really want to make it harder on yourself? Like you're you're going to be a top seed in the tournament, like the Pac-12, it's, it's lost some luster for sure by, you know, no USC, no UCLA, now CU. I don't know, though. You're really making it challenging. Like, if you can add a San Diego State, if you bring, like, a Gonzaga into the mix as a basketball only, there's an argument that they're better suited by staying off. But like we said, at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to TV money. And if there's $10 million more a year sitting on the table, it's hard to argue we should stick around. That's that's kind of the caveat in this whole thing, because Brett Yormack, the uh, commissioner of the Big 12, has mentioned, as you said, just kind of cashing in on basketball. And when it comes to the media deal, I think there's wiggle room to get to 16, but I think it's built around 14 and just adding more on through basketball as a basketball only member. UConn's been thrown around a lot. Yeah. Um, Gonzaga, as you mentioned. So that's the other thing to look out for. Brett Yormack even mentioned, you know, separating the football deal from the TV deal some point down the line. So he's really thinking about it in a different way than all these other, you know, negotiation periods for media right deals have been in the past. Um, but if they get Arizona, I, my expectation would be, you know, look out for UConn and Gonzaga just as basketball only. I don't know about getting up to a full 16 members. I don't know if this current TV deal uh, could support that right now. Yeah, it's really interesting. And then how the ACC folds into that, right? Because their deal goes a long way. But <clears throat> aren't they both under both TV contract deals? We're talking about Big 12 ACC. That is purely ESPN for the most part. So how much could the TV net and some Fox for the Big 12? How much could the TV people play in this to facilitate maybe a move of like, well, now the Big 12 does become maybe more of a prized entity. And would it benefit us to take a blue blood from, you know, the ACC and facilitate that move. The Big 12 does need to be careful in how they expand. I think what Justin's saying is exactly right. And Arizona's interesting in this because, yes, it's completely basketball motivated, but you're not really getting that Phoenix TV market. That's ASU. Um, Tucson's out the way a little bit, you know. That's uh so it it would be a more it would be a different move. It would be an outside-the-box move. And now what happens with the Pac-12 with the ACC? And how aggressive will the Big Ten and SEC be in trying to poach all these schools who are in flux, right? Because it does solidify the schools that are currently in the Big 12, this move, I think, and the future moves we just talked about. 
it kind of destabilizes certainly the Pac-12 and the ACC that much more, though. Well, and timing is just such a difficult factor for the Pac-12, I think. Like I said, especially for those five schools and, you know, maybe even some of these other schools, Oregon, Washington, who don't, at least at the moment, seem like they have the interest from the Big Ten. It, I think Oregon and Washington want to be in the Big Ten. It doesn't seem like the Big Ten is is quite as interested in adding more teams out West. I just think it's hard to feel stable if you're these other teams, knowing that at any moment somebody could jump to the Big 12, the Big Ten could come in and steal Stanford, especially if that allows them to land Notre Dame. That's really the only way I see that happening, but it's it's certainly on the table. Huge. It's just hard to feel good, and you're even more handicapped by the fact that you can't really add anybody at the moment, that the timing of it all has really screwed them. Schools can leave without penalty, and now Mountain West schools can't come for 2024 without paying a $34 million exit fee. On the surface, none of them can afford that. Like You might be able to add an SMU for 2024 only, and then you add San Diego State, CSU, whoever it may be for 2025. But do the other schools decide that's enough to want to stick around? Like It's just the timing of this is all really screwy. And it, it kind of feels like, is it Klivkov? Am I pronouncing that correctly? I always just say GK. Basically. But, <laughs> yeah. It, it feels like he's in over his head after, you know, delivering some pretty lofty promises. Pac-12 um, commissions run out of moves, if you ask me. I mean, I I see him in a very tough spot. And your Stanford at at present makes no sense, right? Because they just can't compete. But if in two, three years, these conferences are like the ABC conference and the Fox conference and the ESPN conference, and these football programs are just like semi-professional outfits that are merely like marketing vessels for the institution, Stanford in the Bay Area, like they're just printing money out there, right? Um, Could suddenly like... If all of a sudden these are more like semi-pro players that are just wearing the jersey but don't necessarily have to fit all our academic standards because it like the landscape has changed that much, that could be another like sleeping giant as well. That's the thing. Anyone could be a sleeping giant, but like the rules are being written at present. Um, so anything is possible right now. It's it's crazy. It gets me so hyped up, but like I hope we don't screw this thing completely, which is always my concern, right? Just on Stanford real quick. I mean, we're not too far removed from them dominating the Pac-12 for like a five-year stretch. Um, I know they've been really down recently, and Troy Taylor's done some stuff on the trail to pump up that 2024 class so far, and he's going to be given time. I mean, this is Stanford. They're not going to you know, expect 10 wins by next year or something. They're going to give him time to build this program. Um, so they're intriguing just because of that. And then on the other side, just the Big Ten, they had their media day last week. And the new commissioner, Tony Petiti, um, went up and said that the direction he's getting from leadership, the presidents and chancellors and ADs, is to focus on USC and UCLA when asked about uh, realignment. So I, they can say this. It just comes down to how much do you trust these commissioners? Because what we just went through from the Pac-12 and Klyovkov, uh, you couldn't trust a single word that guy said. Um, so the Big Ten says they're not focusing on realignment, but who really knows it? Yeah, these commissioners are like negotiating in real time, so it wouldn't bode wisely to really consider Mr. anything. Stefano or whatever his name is said they were committed to this Pac-12 like three days before it was announced. 
It's it's important when it comes to anything with college administrators. They're fucking lying. Okay, they're lying. Ah. Just don't put a mic in that guy's face. Especially mid negotiation, like you, you you have to lie, right? And the timing of everything is so key right now because you don't, you know, like someone could jump you in a second and then you've lost your spot or availability or you end up like San Diego State did in that terrible situation of making the move, then backing out. Uh, what a disaster. It's not going to be a disaster for college football the next few years. And boy, is it beautiful to have game time on our side as a partner. Game time, of course, specializes in last second tickets. And right now you want to use them as your partner to go get all your college football tickets this fall, get some Broncos tickets, you name it at home or on the road. They always have you covered some of the best customer service in the business, best prices guaranteed. And uh, yeah, they'll just take care of you. What you can do right now is you'd co- use code DMVR for $20 off when you sign up. Hey, that could be two free Rockies or Rapids tickets for you right off the bat. Um, you can snag them without stress. Their app is easy to use. Just use that code DMVR for $20 off your first Purchase terms apply and again create that account and redeem your code DMVR for twenty dollars off. Shout out to Shady Ray. Take on the sun with gear built to last with our friends at Shady Rays. It's been a hot summer. Make sure you're looking stylish and cool with your Shady Rays. Uh, Shady Rays is awesome, man. They offer lost, lost and broken replacements. Even if you get a pair and don't like them, Shady Rays will replace them, no questions asked, within the first thirty days. Uh, you can shop their entire collection at the Park Meadows Mall. And I'm telling you, there's hundreds and hundreds of combinations of frames and lenses that they've got. Or go online to shadyrays.com, use the code DMBR. You'll get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. And you can try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. I think Jake had the best looking Shady Rays Dude. of anybody out at Media Days. Yeah. I've been getting tons of praise on those. He got the like Broncos colored ones and they look amazing. What the fuck? The the Schwan man come up is just it's never ending, you know. It's it's almost sickening. We we love him so dearly, but it's just like, man, it, this guy just keeps stacking dubs. Leave some for it's us. The Schwanitz era. Years from now, when we look back at it, it's, it was just the Schwanitz era. It is the Schwanitz era. You're so right, man. Um you guys, we, I mean, let's just continue that talk, but now through the lens of you were just out in Vegas, Mount West Media Day, Pac-12 Media Day, talking to some of the top coaches, uh, draft prospects, and players in the game beyond the lies of the commissioners. Um, let's get into some of the stuff that stood out to you guys um, the most, because I know there's a, a lot of meat on the bone. And of course, if you guys want more in-depth coverage, check out all the great stuff on DMVR Rams and DMVR Buffs um, for either of those. But Justin, you want to start us off? Yeah. I mean, it's important to note that this was a week ago, which now feels like an eternity ago. CU was still a committed member of the Pac-12 at that point. We had just found out that San Diego State and the Mountain West had made up so this is, as everything, always evolving. But I think the the biggest takeaway, especially from the top dogs, and what I mean is just kind of those schools at the top of the Mountain West all hoping to 
factor into this realignment conversation one way or another. The CSU, Boise State, San Diego State, Fresno States of the world, UNLV, I guess you could throw out there. They all know that something is next and everybody's basically trying to position themselves while not saying the wrong thing because, of course, they're firmly committed and proud members of the Mountain West, but they all know that they want to be next. And even Gloria Navarez, the commissioner, you know, went on record and said, I think that we have to change the way we look at it and just understand that no schools are permanent members of conferences anymore. And if you think that it's going to be that way, you're going to get caught off guard. And it's all about just being proactive and having options and, and always, you know, being ready to, you know, if San Diego State goes, boom, this is what we're doing. You can't get caught off guard. And I think that was really what was the the most significant takeaway from the Mountain West is that unlike Craig Thompson years past, who to me just kind of felt like he was always reacting to the news, they're trying to be prepared ahead of time, know where they want to go. If, you know, one or two schools leave, we're doing this. If only one school leaves, we're doing this. Outside of that, nobody really said anything too spicy. I mean, the coaches, the players, they were all instructed to not like disparage San Diego State or have it be awkward or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I think the writing on the wall is pretty clear. I am really interested to hear about the Pac-12, though, who had to feel really weird. I mean, with him coming out and being like, we're not announcing the media deal because we want the focus to be on football. So of course, the natural follow-up is so that would imply that the deal is done. And he's, oh, you're reading too much into that. I mean, it was full Michael Scott. It was a mess, man. Um, we had him on the show. We asked him the questions. We got nothing out of him. I think the most interesting question we <laughs> asked him actually was uh, <laughs> going back, you know, when when the playoff came in in 2014, we asked him um, if the playoff was always a 12-team playoff going back to then, would the Pac-12 have had a champion in that time frame? Um, and that's something we can get into for sure. But he said yes, just by process, you know, just by the odds of it, which eh, not really how it works. I mean, there are some good teams the Pac-12 have had in recent years, um, but there's been some great, you know, the Clemson teams, the Georgia teams uh, that just weren't getting beat by anyone, Alabama, all these teams. Um, but otherwise, it was it was awesome, man. Um, there was it was a weird vibe for sure. It, I don't want to say it's like a funeral vibe, but it was like, let's get this in and get this out. I mean, you had two days, Justin, we had an afternoon. Um, we just went from eight to four, basically on that Friday, it was pretty much, you know, get in, get out. Let's just get focused on the football. That was the commissioner's message. Um, yeah. but spoke to a, <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of by design, people. by the way, yeah, that <laughs> was strategic. Like, yeah. we want yeah. as few questions about how this conference isn't going to be around next year, um, as possible. <laughs> like, is this the last pack 12 media day? I want as few as those as possible. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. Just football, please. That's funny though. Um, Justin, like, did the Mountain West feel like everyone's watching their back? Like, there's never been less commitment to the conference? To an extent, I think it's kind of a situation where everyone acknowledges it's the best spot for us to be at right now. So nobody wants to step on any toes, but it's kind of how I would compare it is you're a senior in high school and you're going to college and you know that your significant other, we don't have to bring genders into it, um, is going to a different school 
And you know the end is coming at some point, but you just kind of write it out because it's the best of the situation right now. Like, what are we going to do? Break up and be alone all summer and be awkward and hang on? No, we're still going to go out on Tuesday and go out for ice cream and make the best <laughs> of the situation. But we all kind of know that once, you know, mid-August rolls around, or in the Mountain West's case, like once the opportunity for some of these schools to jump, like we're going to go our own ways here. Dang. One last summer, the Mountain West. (laughs) That is such a beautiful analogy. Um, Very relatable. Uh, Jake, I kind of cut you off. You were saying it was awesome otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it was great. We talked to, you know, Chip Kelly, a lot of bright football minds. Um, You know, it was... I got the vibe, at least from USC, from Lincoln Riley, that they were just over it because obviously they're going to the Big Ten. Like they don't even care what the hell is going on at Pac-12 Media Day. They're trying to focus on, you know, getting Caleb to first overall, winning a title, and then you know, just from here on out in the Big Ten. Um, Oregon State was insightful. Just Jonathan Jonathan Smith's comments on you know rebuilding a program. I thought a lot of the players were great. Cam Rising was awesome. Uh, Katana Ladapo out of Oregon State was awesome. The Washington State guys were incredible. Um, it was really fun. Was Penix out there? Penix was out there. Yeah, we talked to him. Yeah, I'm going to rapid fire you both real quick. All right. Uh, Justin, Troy Horton out there. Tory Horton, sorry. No, because he's not 21 years old. He's only 20 years old. Jesus. And it was, of course, held at Circa. Um, Which was awesome, by the way. Shout out to the homies at Circa. They hooked us up in a major way. The rooms were amazing. Everything about that place is cool. It feels really clean in there, which is new. I mean, it's just, it's the spot. I spend quite a bit of time in Vegas for work when it's all said and done. Usually end up out there two, three times a year. And it's just on another level from everything else out there right now. Rapid fire, Tory Horton, best NFL prospect in the conference this year? Yes, assuming that he declares. Um, he has two years remaining, and yeah. Norvell, unprompted, brought up that there's a possibility he comes back. It sounds like his parents really want him to potentially get his master's. And the fact that he's so young, it's potentially more realistic than with some of these other guys because he doesn't have the pressure of being, you know, 23, 24 years old, having to declare he could play five years and only be 21 when he's coming out, which is just absolutely insane. Um, yes. Best offensive. I know this was supposed to be rapid fire, but I wanted to give the clarification on oh, that. Since Norvell. Um, I would say CSU has the best offensive and best defensive player in the conference Ooh. between Mo Kamara and Tori Horton. Well, thanks for answering rapid fire question number two. <laughs> uh, that uh, that does seem to be one of the consensus from a lot of the rankings that Mo Kamara, as far as an edge rusher, is uh, way up there um, for CSU. And I mean, the production says it all. They've had some production as pa- at pass rushers right now. They got some guys. The defensive line matchup when CSU and Wyoming get together is going to be incredible because... I think there's about nine guys between those two schools that are probably going to end up on first or second team all conference when it's all said and done. Yep. Going to be fun. Um, Jake, higher or lower on Bo Nix after me, after sitting down with him at media as a draft prospect, that is <laughs> not as a human being. Um, can I just say no comment? <laughs> oh yeah. Let's go. Let's go. I respect the discipline. <laughs> Tell us more, no, man. 
He's cool, right? Um, he was cool. We didn't get to talk to him too much, but um, he was best dressed. I can tell you that he was probably the sharpest looking guy at Media Day, sharpest looking player for sure. Um, I don't know, man. He's in a great offense for him. He's got receivers on the outside. He could just kind of run around and chuck it deep, and we're going to see that a lot again this year. I There's just a reason got... he came back. Yes, I doesn't know that. I've just got that tingly feeling that like he's the guy. The NFL and parts of NFL Twitter talk themselves into for all the wrong reasons. Um, basically, like Baker Mayfield's uh, final draft season, <laughs> like all that dumb shit you buy into is going to be the Bonix. Okay, you get a double rapid fire because uh, Justin did a circa shout out and answered two rapid fire questions in long form, unprompted because he's a legend <laughs> like that. Bigger hands. Michael Penix or Caleb Williams? Ooh. Penix? Ooh. Okay. Okay. That's, Maybe? that's yeah. big time. That's big. <laughs> Bo Nix, of course, smaller than both, I said. Yeah, yeah. Get him out of here. Dude, what kind of a scout are you? Aren't you, like, locked in when you're shaking these guys' hands so you're giving us the, like, the lowdown when you come back? What the fuck's going on? Samples and stuff. (laughs) Damn it, Jake. Thinking about tweets? What's going on? That part just, I mean, until you brought it up just now, completely went over my head. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Who... What stood out to you most about Arizona, Air, about Air Force, uh, Justin? What do you think from them this season? Uh, I'm higher on them than when I came into the offseason. Losing Brad Roberts and Hazik Daniels is just a ton of production to have to, to you know, replace. It's like 4,000 yards and 50 touchdowns between the last two years, just between those two guys. So it's it's going to be interesting. That said, they have so much continuity within their offensive line and they have a back coming back that I just, John Lee Eldridge, I, I just don't think they're going to skip much of a beat. They've got a really favorable schedule. Air Force guys, coolest guys I hung out with probably um, off the record. I, I was very pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Usually the guys from the Academy are, you know, I mean, they're very just, you know, not about the Vegas vibes. They're They're pros in every sense, but it was kind of cool to see them let their guard down. It helped that the CSU guys were so comfortable around me that they were kind of willing to tall be cool. But it was just kind of neat to see that. But I, I think it's like the, the continuity, and I think they're going to surprise some folks. Love that. Um, Jake, Lincoln Riley, smarter or dumber than you thought in person? Definitely smarter. Really? Um, I, yeah. I was From the videos, to, I, was, I, was, I wasn't sure. I don't think he was opening up as much. And I think he still dropped some gems and, you know, gave some great insight just on, you know, designing an offense in this day and age, um, what he's got in Caleb Williams. He actually gave us a lot of insight on uh, Marvin Mims. So that was one of the last things we talked to him about was Marvin Mims and just this collection of Oklahoma guys that have somehow ended up on this roster. Mentioned Powers, uh, Delaren Turner-Yell. Interestingly enough, though, he didn't mention Nick Benito. Oh, that is interesting that's a gem right there um justin last one george Halani, boise state running back is he for real if he stays healthy yes he's a stud i mean boise in general they're between him and genty they probably have two of the top three running backs in the mountain west both in that backfield that's going to be the the foundation of that offense 
all just comes down to health for him, though. I mean, he hasn't stayed healthy now three years running. Yeah, that's uh, at running back. We could have done a whole pod on just that if we wanted with all the discourse these last few weeks. Jake, Shadur, Travis, they going to be in black and gold next season? Or is one of them or both making the jump to the NFL? Shador still or Travis still has another year. Shador. Oh, right. I always forget that. Man, I I know because I really think he could have a good enough season to go. Um, I think he stays though. I think he stays to play with Coach Prime another year. Thank God it's uh it's Coach Prime, because I think that's uh that's a big part in all of this. All right. Thanks, boys. I'm sure we'll get more and of course more in-depth stuff on either of their media day coverage uh whenever. Shout out to our homies over at Breckenridge Brewery. Breck Brew has a beer for any occasion. There's no better way to watch a game than having an ice cold Breck Brew. I was out in Vegas. We've already talked about that a lot. When it's 112 degrees, you're sweating. Nothing is quite as refreshing as a delicious ice cold Breck Brew made with 100% renewable energy. We stand a globally conscious company. And I just really love that they have a variety for everybody. I've been big on the peach wheat this summer. Y'all know that Jake and I drink. Uh, Mountain Beach, like it's our job. You can't go wrong with a classic Avalanche Amber Ale. Really, they have somebody for everybody, which is awesome. If you can't make it to DNVR for our Women's World Cup, go watch it at the farmhouse over at Breck Brew. It's awesome. Check out the Breck Beer locator at breckbrew.com. Find a brew near you. Boom. It's time for some summer hot takes. It's July 30th. We're recording this on the weekend. It's about to be August. As I mentioned, it's full-blown football season. Training camp's going on for the Broncos. These guys got back from media day. It's, I mean, it's go time. So right as we get into it all, what is your draft hot take here on July 30th, boys, um, before we go out with this? This will leave us a week to digest on each of our hot takes and think of how crazy they really are. I'm happy to lead off. You gotta you gotta go first because I want to see how bold you go. I have a couple okay. here. Sounds good. Um I my hot take at this point in the season, and I love that Harbaugh came out with this quote. By the way, a little Harbaugh suspension. That's fun, huh? That's a fun little just just an all like little side piece of news in uh in the football news cycle. <laughs> Jake here. Hey, nobody even cares. That's the funny thing. Like 2005, <laughs> that's an ESPN yes. 15 days straight of like, do they need to consider a change in leadership? And everyone now is just like, Yeah, I mean, he, he, I would have paid for burgers too. Hey, no. Tennessee can have 300 plus recruiting violations, but Harbaugh can't buy recruits some burgers. Shout out. Yeah, and the whole thing's a joke. Yeah. Um, but the other piece that was in the news was Harbaugh saying he's never, he can't recall a quarterback like JJ McCarthy having the first season that JJ had. Um, which as bold as that is, is not totally off. And I think part of that caveat is that a lot of these guys, the Tua's, the T Laws. They kind of emerge starting midway through a season or Tua in the natty itself. So that's but like again, I don't know. JH, like Tua's first year might be up there too, you know, like just thinking in recent memory. 
anyways, he's talking up his guy, JJ McCarthy. Um, I think there's, uh, you know, I expect massive things from Michigan. Uh, the Blake Corum hype's picking up. It's, it's Blake Corum hype season, which is fun. And my hot take is JJ McCarthy will be the second quarterback drafted in next year's draft ahead of Drake May, who I think is uh, quite the quarterback prospect himself. So that's my hot take here on July 30th. I love that. I love JJ for Heisman too. Really good value. For sure. Cause if, if you think they're the one blue blood, right? Like let's think of the, the teams that semi regularly participate in the playoffs, Ohio state, Michigan, Bama, Georgia, uh, Clemson, essentially Notre Dame. You could put in there. They're the only team with the returning starter and a good returning starter. Um, so under that lens, you know, they go like one loss or undefeated. JJ is going to be guaranteed in that convo. Um, and he's he's an athlete with good size. Like, I I think the draft maybe undervalues that, but he does need to show some growth with the arm and, you know, show more accuracy and tight windows. But, like, that's all part of the process right now. Um, I, I think he can do it, and I think the sky's the limit for this kid. Really a supreme talent. I love the national visibility, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, in terms of like, you know, he breaks free for that 30-yard rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter against Penn State or Ohio State like last year. Right. We kind of lit up through the air. I just, I still think that Caleb Williams is rightfully the front runner, but it certainly would not shock me, especially because I think Michigan has a better chance to be in the playoff conversation than USC does. And that's going to help him too, just team success. Well, there's always such like fatigue with guys like Caleb, you know, we never see those guys repeat. We never see those guys repeat. They don't want to like Tebow would have had two guys if if they really wanted to give it to the best guy year in and year out, no matter what. But it's kind of like the NBA, NBA MVP this past year. Sometimes they just want to spread the love. Yep, for sure. So there you go. Hope to have set the tone one. well. That, Thank that, you. Yeah, going to be tough to follow. Thank you, thank you. That, that means a lot coming from you, actually. Um, who Jake, who wants ahead. to go second? There you go, Jake. Oh, uh, me next. Yeah. Um, I will say, I may I may be too hot on this, but I got one. Uh, Dorian Singer's the top ranked USC, you know, wide receiver in terms of the draft right now. I would say another USC receiver is drafted ahead of him. Who's that going to be? I would throw out Mario Williams as a guy. I'd throw out uh, Michael Jackson the third as a guy. Both those guys just pressed me, you know, routinely last year. I know Dorian Singer's great in his own right, but man, Mario Williams so wound up, and Michael Jackson, when that guy's in the open field, he is unbelievable. No love for B Rice. Yeah. <laughs> is he still there? He didn't transfer yeah. once more. Well, wow, that's crazy. I think Bill Steele had him listed as a projected starter. Did he really? Um, I think I'm not, I did not verify that, but I believe from going through that. If Brendan Rice was who we thought he was, I don't think they would have added Dorian Singer and we would have seen, you know, Michael Jackson emerge last year. All right. Fair point. All right. That's a fair point. Um, Phil Steele guide. I've got mine as well. Need to start taking in. Can't wait. And uh, I mean, one of the greatest times of the summer when the Phil Steele guide comes and you start to break that out. Uh, Okay. I'd grade that like a five out of 10, Jake. I think it's good. You know, it's, it's not great. It's not great. 
but we'll yeah. allow it. It it does make me think like this draft is an all time offensive skill position draft. All timer. Like you're you're right. You could have two more wide receivers emerge from USC, and then how dope's this wide receiver class going to be? You know, this quarterback class is stupid. Another um, reason to watch Tory Horton potentially coming back. Just saying. I mean, he's good enough. For like, sure. He's going to be an All American conversation. You do that again for another year, like you could play your way into the first round potentially. And I mean, these these receiver classes every year they're going to be deep, but just something to keep an eye on. Stacked, man, for sure. Um, and also, I mean, that's the NIL year. As we used to see guys, just it was a record number of underclassmen every single year declaring for the draft. This one is, uh, you know, now that's stopped. You're now not we have six-year quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to be fun when that ends. Like, when do we finally get the, the COVID eligibility guys out the way? Basically, this year, we'll weed out the majority of those guys that had the, the 2020 year. Um, maybe, like, one more year, you'll get a guy who, because he, he was, like, a freshman in 2020, so he got that year back, and then... He redshirted due to injury, you know, like it'll, there'll be a, but we're, we're pretty much weeding out those. Um, I just want Bo biggest, Nix to not play college football anymore. Please. That feels like a, and, uh, Keaton Slovis and some of these dudes. <laughs> yeah. TJ JT Daniels too. is still playing college football. How He's is that possible? Joe Milton and people are hyping up Joe Milton. I'm like, well, what year is this? What is it? 2019? We're hyping up Joe Milton again. What's going on? <laughs> um, like the space time continuum is just broken. Where we've we've gone. Through. I commend their uh, their refusal to move on from college and live a real life. If you're not going to be an NFL player anyways, you might as well just milk it for all that it's worth. I, I respect the hell out of it. Second best <laughs> football league in the world, no doubt. Might as well. <laughs> all right, Justin. Uh, my hot take. I don't. This isn't as good as yours, I don't think, but. I think by the time the season is done, Will Shipley has a really good chance to be running back one. Mm. I came in not as high on him as some of these other guys. I mean, when you look at like Henderson at Ohio State, Corum, there's a lot of really solid backs. I've been watching a lot of Clemson lately. I think Clemson's going to be really good this year between Klubnik, you know, kind of taking a, a leap, I think, and then defensively. But Shipley, man, between the tackles, I don't know if he's quite as elite of an athlete as those other guys, but he just does everything well. And I think his ability as a pass catcher is going to shine through. And uh, I think he's a guy, especially if Clemson is in the college football playoff, is, has a really good chance to be a Heisman finalist. Hmm. That's Can a good a mulligan then? Yeah, sure. Just inspired me. Yeah. I will say Ultimate Casco becomes a top 50 prospect. Wow. Straight off, huh? That's the Houston transfer who will be uh, running back for the Buffs. Had a spectacular freshman season. Um, for people who haven't seen him, what's he? Who's he compared to, Jake? People always say Adrian Peterson, and it's just because he kind of has that you know that shoulder shake when he runs. He can be very violent. He's not at that level yet, but that's what people throw out. That's the frame, though, as a downhill runner um, for it a kid. Is. Like you watch his freshman highlights, it's like, oh, this dude's six one two twenty five, and he runs like that downhill. Like, does um, feel like an old school Big Twelve running back though. Like you know, yeah. put him yeah, two thousand five. Feels like he'd be in a Texas Oklahoma matchup. Yeah, yeah. Which 
I mean, if if your hot take is true, he'd never get that chance in the Big 12. Sad. Also, speaking of running backs, you guys see Breland Allen doing those squats, like squatting Saquon Barkley style, like 600 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's a beast. As I said, skill positions, like you start to talk running backs, you're just like, ah, there's quite a few we like in this class. There's quite a few. Um, I think Raheem Sanders is my guy. But again, I, you could talk me into like a bunch of these guys we just mentioned, including Alton McCaskill. I can't wait, boys. I can't wait. Soon enough, we'll, this will be our Saturdays and Sundays just watching football nonstop. It's the best. Draft potting with you guys every week is the best. With the guys uh, in Vegas, we missed last week, but we'll be doubling up next. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned to always more exciting, fun stuff and news to cover here at DMVR. From Schwanman, J. Mike, and Dr. Dre, we are out. <laughs>